Coming up on your favorite podcast, it is snowing like crazy out here in Minneapolis. We are looking at potentially like the biggest snowstorm we've seen in like a decade or 15 years or whatever, like 12 to 15 inches. So we're snowed in up here in the Minneapolis area, which means podcasts are coming your way over the next couple of days, starting tonight with my guy, Rhino. We're going to do a little pod parade. we got a number of topics we want to get into tonight. Uh, in honor of President's Day yesterday, I want to go through a top and bottom five maybe with him. We're going to talk Eric Bieniemy moving to the Washington Commanders, maybe get into some of the quarterback questions. I also want to talk NBA All-Star game with him a little bit and how disappointed I was with that. And then we're going to let Ryan take it a couple of different avenues that maybe he wants to go as well. So we got a number of topics tonight on Pod Paris. We're going to have a lot of stuff this week. Peak Cinema's coming up this week. We're going to try to get our guy Ty, who's down in Florida at some point this week. We'll see if we can get that done. But it all starts tonight. Pod Paris with my guy Rhino. Sit down and enjoy the next hour or so. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, everybody. It is the Tim Anderson Podcast. I'm Tim. That's my buddy Rhino over there in his uh, cardigan in uh, whatever it is you're wearing tonight. But it is a snowy night here in Minneapolis, and it's only going to get worse uh, as we have got a foot of snow plus on its way uh, to greet us uh, tomorrow, tomorrow night. So Rhino and I and Lauren and the world are going to be just doing a bunch of snowed in podcasts and it all starts tonight. Rhino, good to see you. Well, you know, better to bang them out now, you know. And uh, by the way, it is a cardigan. Thanks for noticing. Uh, yeah. It is, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's what I wear when it gets a little chilly downstairs. So uh, here we are and, you know, trying to trying to get warmed up and had to walk out to the mailbox a, a few minutes ago and go pick something up. So, oh yeah, how'd you uh, ever do it? How did you get had, through it? I tell you, had, had to brave the uh, had to brave the elements out there, Tim. It's all you right. Know, you know, my wife called me and said, "Hey, the couch broke in my office." And now here's the thing about me and my wife: like I'm up, I'm downstairs, she's upstairs. She doesn't want to yell from the up to the down, nor does she want to come downstairs. So instead, I get a phone call from the house that I live in. And she says, hey, my couch broke. Come up here. So I have to go upstairs and uh, help her, you know, kind of get her couch squared away. We got to get her a different couch for the for the uh, sanctuary, as she calls it. So that yeah. is that's that's our life, though. This is what married life is like when you don't have children, Ryan. I don't know what you know what that's like anymore, but she literally just calls me from the other room in the house that we live in. You know, I wish that I could say that married life with children is any different. Um, but frequently, I'm getting phone calls uh, from the other room, from the upstairs, from you know the the, the baby's room. The getting call text is literally messages. coming from inside the house. That's true. That's true. It is. <laughs> it is. You know, it's uh, it, it is it is a constant and and consistent battle. It does bother me sometimes when I'm in the middle of something. It's like, ah, just come downstairs and talk to me. And then I remember. I am also guilty of texting uh, when I'm downstairs and I don't want to run upstairs to ask a question or something. Because let me tell you, uh, if I have to ask her about the date of her dad's retirement party one more time, she may actually divorce me. She might. Uh, There's a good. Does that come up a few? You're not. You're not memorizing memorizing this date. This should be ingrained in your brain by now. 
Yeah, you know, it's this weekend, and for some reason, I thought it was March 11th. So, you know, that would have been a that that's would have been tough, bad. That's a tough scene. That's uh, a very difficult situation for you to be in. Problem is, is you're not going to be there this weekend. You're you're busy. You're booked. Well, it's in the evening, so it's uh, uh, you know, I will be uh, I will be able to deal with the stuff I have to deal with on Saturday morning. Uh, and then go ahead and and go see my my father in law and celebrate his retirement from the oh, post office okay. for which, for which he has worked since he was seventeen. You know so. what, Mazeltov, congratulations over there. Um, as we hopefully on when we get our peak cinema back up and running, we will we will have a another Tom Kane fact of the week talking about his retirement. Yeah, maybe maybe the the, the fact of the week can just be. Just actual Tom Kane facts in celebration of his of his retirement. Just a series of unrelated facts about Tom Kane. Just a, the average man from St. Paul, Minnesota. Has nothing to do with the movie whatsoever, but we're just throwing it out there. There it is. That's right. Happy retirement. Yes. You know, Ryan, yesterday was President's Day. I know it's one of your favorite holidays. You consider yourself a bit of a presidential historian. I thought I would uh, ask. Yeah. So here's the thing. I got into a little bit of a tussle with somebody saying, you know, I'm like, okay, where's your bottom five? What do you got? Uh, And I'm sitting there saying to myself, well, it's got it. William Harrison's got to be 45. Like if we got to throw Biden out, okay, we can't count Biden. He's in the middle of the term. We can't count it. Um, Biden, uh, 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 William Harrison's got to be 45 because he only served 31 days in office. And everybody's like, well, that's not fair. It's inconclusive. How can you possibly say that? Thir- it's I question his judgment. Didn't wear a coat to Inauguration Day. Got sick. Organizational chaos in 31 days. He's got to be 45, right? Got to be on the bottom of the list. I, look, if, if the argument that you're trying to make, look, I'm not going to say that your argument isn't sound. We got nothing to but go by, off of. But by all... All historical markers, uh, multiple historians believe this. I believe it. Uh, Andrew Johnson was the worst president of all time. Johnson was, is ranked uh, is um, according to C- the CBS one that I was looking at. They do have him at forty five. He yes, he as bottom bottom of the bottom of the barrel. He he is almost single handedly responsible for undoing all of the good that Lincoln did at the end of the Civil War. Uh he ended reconstruction. It was, uh, he, he, he completely re-empowered the racist South, uh, did not use it, the, the power that he inherited from Lincoln's death to do anything to, you know, rebuild, uh, the, the, the nation and, and bind the wounds of the nation like Lincoln wanted. Uh, instead what we got was, uh, uh, the, the prelude to, uh, to the Ku Klux Klan and, and kind of the rise of, of the lynch mobs of the South and stuff like that post uh, post reconstruction. So Andrew Johnson for my money gets 45. If I had to rate, uh, if I had to rate William Henry Harrison, he probably falls out of my bottom five just because he didn't do anything. Right. Cause it, look, we can say that he didn't amount to anything, right? Cause he didn't, he, he didn't have, I got nothing to go time. off of. There's no evidence. Had, I got nothing. No time, but there are, there are at least five presidents who were maliciously bad 
in office who by default are just worse than him. So he if if we'll, if we're going to call William Henry Harrison just the baseline awful because he 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 only served 31 days. The crime of serving 31 days is so much less bad than what the bottom 5 presidents did. He didn't show up. He he, he didn't wear a coat to the inauguration day. He stood out in the rain for an hour. What and is you that know what? bad judgment? You don't you get credit what? for that. Zachary Taylor in, in, in ignored the issue of slavery and led directly to the American Civil War. James Buchanan. Uh, Buchanan's uh, on the uh, list, too. I'm also, with you there. James Buchanan also uh, famously uh, oversaw the most tumultuous period of American politics and did nothing about it. So like, it, it, wearing wearing a coat here, not, not, not wearing a coat, excusing slavery and and allowing the U.S. to fall into civil it's war. It's bad so, judgment, nonetheless. I got bad judgment here. Sure, That's sure. You know what? You know what? There are plenty of presidents who are guilty of bad judgment. George also, Bush invaded a whole country on a fucking lie. You ready so for you ready for another hot take? I got I got Gerald Ford in the top five too. Why? Because he never won the nomination. He never won it. He 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 didn't he didn't get voted in. He never was voted in. He got in on a technicality and then he didn't win the reelection. It's we're we're we got to so get him graded down. Know, you know what that makes him? That makes him a terrible vice president. He was a terrible well, vice presidential pick. So, but he got I, to be the president of the United States. We didn't I, even vote for him. I under, I understand. I understand. How is he not uh, in the top five or the bottom five? He's got to be in the bottom five. Got to. Uh, he did. What did he do? He didn't do anything. I, I suppose you know, pardoning Nixon and creating this idea of an untouchable executive is probably a terrible thing. Uh because that has led directly to some horrible, horrible things in modern politics. Uh, and that's, that can all get laid at the feet of Gerald Ford. Uh, but I mean, let, let's think about like Herbert Hoover brought Hoover's us the great depression. Uh, Buchanan's there. I got, uh, I got Franklin Pierce. I mean, D- Donald, Donald Trump completely Trump has to be in the has to be in the conversation. Completely dismantled our foreign policy. Uh, I, I mean, let's, uh, let's not forget, uh, you know that 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 I, I just want to come back to William Henry Harrison one more time on this. Hoover's bad. Millard Fillmore's bad. I'm giving you all of those. Well, I mean, okay, Fillmore's bad. I wouldn't call Fillmore one of the worst. He was bad. He's 38 he was, on the list. He's 38 out of 40, 45. That's yeah, not good. Bad. No, number. no, you're right. Uh, he, he's he's certainly no Lincoln. Um, I, I would I would say that you know Warren Harding. Probably, yeah. probably poor on that list. Yeah, not um, good. Not good. Bad. Uh, Martin Van Buren inherited one of the best economies in U.S. history and famously squandered it, uh, despite the fact that he thought he was a genius. Um, but, but I mean, look, it's it, it is no doubt James Buchanan, Andrew Johnson, Donald Trump, Zachary Taylor, right? Like these are these are all guys. Herbert Hoover, like. That that bottom five is, in my mind, pretty ironclad. I would say you could probably put, you could probably put George W. Bush down there as well. Um, I have a tough his, time with two-term presidents versus one-term presidents. Yeah, but like I feel like you get longer to screw things up. Like if Bush only would, because George H. W. Bush is actually looked at rather fondly on a lot of lists, and he's only a one-term guy. You know, he's re- kind of, you know, and C- this CBS thing I'm looking at, this is where I got the article from in September. They've got George H.W. Bush as like 15, 16. Let me see that here exactly. Sorry. 
does, it does up. George, this is a, this is a more of a 20. philosophical. Got him at 20. Got him at 20. One okay, term. So m- middle of the pack. But the, the, the philosophical question I have on H.W. Bush, right? Bush one. Bush one, we like him. to call him. Yeah, we like to call uh, him Bush one. If, if we're looking at that, is, is, was he actually a good president or was he riding the coattails of, of, of Reagan mania? Reagan also right. in the top 20 all time. He's like 18. I, I would R- Ronald Reagan. I would, I would put him bottom, bottom, bottom half. No, no. Uh, come on now. I agree. We yeah, don't necessarily uh, love it, but at the time, I mean, I guess yeah, historical stuff is, uh, is tough to, you got to grade him on everything, right? Completely but. dismantled the, the American labor force, uh, completely took their teeth out. I mean, it, he, uh, uh, he oversaw the largest stagnation of American wages in, in U.S. history and and then called it trickle-down economics, which was a, a Strong a foreign lie. policy guy, though. Uh, Strong foreign policy guy. Yeah, but let's let's ask this question, right? If uh, if his if his foreign policy is so strong, uh, is it is it that strong because he was he was great at foreign policy, or was it strong because he played dirty politics before he was even president? Let's who ask could, that question. Who could say? I don't know. I wasn't there. His, well, I was there, his, but I mean, I was four. His uh, campaign manager uh, is now. We don't have any news sources on this, but it's a, a law. It's it's one of those like open secrets, right? That it was never documented at the time, but we kind of come to believe this now, just based on the circumstantial evidence that we've known historically. I was going to say we're going to get shut his, off by the Secret Service for this. That stuff. his camp his campaign manager went to Madrid and met with representatives from Iran uh, during his 1980 campaign, um, and he he kneecapped. Uh, the Carter administration's efforts to free the hostages uh, in Iran, and then they were freed miraculously when when Reagan took office. Uh, so that the the questions that I would have surrounding that and the dirty politics that come in with that, uh, I want I'm I'm just wondering how how above board uh, Reagan was because we know about Iran Contra. Uh, we know that that his hands weren't exactly clean with that. We know that how, how clean his hands were not uh, with the cocaine epidemic in in the eighties and 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 the mass incarceration of, of drug policy uh, in the eighties. Uh, and I know that's not foreign policy, but it kind of is considering how that interacts with with the Mexican border and and how that affi- affected immigration policy well into the nineties and early two thousands and even today. Uh, you know, his economic policy is largely responsible for the uh, the over reliance on credit and the bubble that we've now put the middle class yeah, in. I didn't. I didn't know you were gonna. We were gonna. I didn't think I tapped a nerve here quite with the Reagan stuff. This is you. Are. This is the problem with Reagan is that he's lauded as one of the greatest presidents in history, but it's a myth. It's a mythological. It's mythologizing his his presidency. We could argue there's right? a lot of presidents it, that fall under this mythological thing, though, right? I mean, oh, for sure. Let, let's go through the. You want to let's see how many not, of the top not, ten. Not quite as recent though, right? It's, yeah, it's I mean, not no, definitely not. Definitely not. You're right. Go ahead. No, I want to know how many of the top ten I think you can agree with from this CBS sure. article, right? Sure. So let me. I wanted to ask you this too because I, I actually I get it on most of this. It's like I've had Lincoln number one forever. I think Lincoln most important president in the history of the United States. I think a Over, lot of people would agree with you. Oversaw a civil war, you know, had you know, a real civil war. Like, it's one thing to just have half the country hate you in a Gallup poll. It's another thing to actually have half the country openly seceding to form their own thing yep. on you. And yes. you have to oversee that. Correct. So I'm going to give him, he's one. Uh, so much tumult, maybe the quintessential leader of the United States. Uh, so I got Lincoln one. And I got FDR two. CBS has it flip-flopped. They've got FDR 1, Lincoln 2. 
any kibitz on that. Are they one uh, and two no matter what? You can flip them, you can entertain, you can interchange them, but they're one and two. I think that you would have uh, a number of historians, and I'm looking at a C-SPAN article that agrees with me on this, uh, a number of historians that would put Washington between them with Lincoln first. Uh, they got Washington as three. Well, okay. So I mean, those those are pretty commonly the 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 consensus top three presidents, right? I mean, we're we're talking about um, a, a pretty strong consensus that it, it, you can put anyone else anywhere else, really, uh, and and it could be debatable. But the top three, almost invariably, is in some order of Lincoln, FDR, Washington, right? It's it's those three guys. And I, I have a hard time disagreeing with it. All right. I'm, I'm with you. I, I can live with those top three in some order. I got it at Lincoln, FDR, Washington. I'll go with those three. That's kind of mine. We're, we're going to call those our tier one presidents. Tier one presidents. Those are the ones you got to get to. Number four, who do you think it is? Teddy Roosevelt. Got it. Teddy Roosevelt's four. You're not looking at this article, right? I'm not. Okay. So yeah, they got Teddy I even, Roosevelt. I don't know what you're looking at. So Teddy is sort of a universal four, right? Is that kind of like he's not he's not those guys but he's very, very good. Yeah, and, and I think that kind of comes from later in life, right, when he tried to get back into politics. If he would have just kind of faded back away from public life after after he left the presidency in 1901, uh, I, I think that we probably would look on Teddy a little more favorably. But starting the Bull Moose Party, uh, seceding from the Republican Party uh, and and kind of, you know, pushing this that that really environmental agenda, which today would have been would look be looked on very favorably uh, at the time. I think uh, really hurt him in his standing with, with American politics, but yeah, okay. I, I think he's number four. This is where, so those four are there. I think the waters tend to always get a little murkier after four Yep. because every president really from, and every president's flawed, right? I'm not trying to act like anybody's perfect here, no. but it really feels like the flaws or the polarization of these presidents start to come out after four. Sure. Like, I think we can all agree on the top four. Then we start to disagree. Yep. Who do you got at five? Because I'll tell you what they've got. Uh, the list I'm looking at has a guy that I'm going to go with a different guy. Uh, my number five is uh, Harry Truman. They have Truman at seven on this list, which is very okay. fair. I think that's a very fair rating. Yep. They've got Thomas Jefferson at five. Okay, Jefferson is one of those guys, right? The list and I'm looking the, at is Jefferson at seven. Yeah, the waters are murky with Jefferson, right? There's so much that we have to look at and say the country's not the country without Jefferson. Like we're not the United States, like with all the things that he was able to acquire and do at the same time, there there are some murky issues with Jefferson. It's very complex. Yeah. I I think that Jefferson's legacy as president gets kind of, is this a mythological uh, president? Like, is this one of those that we mythologize one way or the other on Jefferson? I, I don't. I don't think we mythologize his presidency. I just think we conflate his presidency with the revolutionary activities Right. So pre-nation, Thomas Jefferson, I would argue, had more influence and had more uh, more important things that happened uh, under him than uh, than Jefferson, the president. did. Right. We remember him more for writing the declaration, for being ambassador to France and, and kind of shepherding us into into nationhood and being uh, the, the first secretary of state uh, under Washington. Um, you know, those those things are are really important things that really shaped 
the nation and, and really did more to shape the nation other than the Louisiana Purchase, uh, did more to shape the nation than his presidency, which uh, other than the Louisiana Purchase was fairly, you know, standard. Right? Yep. It, it really wasn't much of anything. It was uh, just, uh, you know, growth of the nation. We, we, we pushed out to the Mississippi River, you know, and, and, and beyond. It was, it was important. It was hugely important, but I don't know that that legacy is is better than someone like Truman or the, my my number my number six, which would be Dwight Eisenhower. Eisenhower is their six too. Um, so he's the last general, right? The last yeah. great war hero to become president of the United States. Widely considered a very successful president. Um, yeah. I mean, you the, agree? The, America, the American economy wouldn't be what it is without Eisenhower. Uh, you look at how much of our economy is built on freight shipping, trucking. Uh, uh, the driving economy and and uh, the ability to connect the nation via car, so anyone can go anywhere. That's that's a hugely important thing, and and I would yeah Eisenhower's the reason that happened because of the interstate project. Who do you got then at eight, nine, and ten? I'll see if you agree. How many of you can see? How many of these can nail? And then we'll move on. Okay, so so eight from so Eisenhower was my six. I'd probably put Jefferson as my seven. Yep. Uh, after that, I go Lyndon Johnson. So do they, Lyndon Johnson? Uh, probably. Oh, I'm torn between two, uh, and I, I just don't know how to put them. I'm I'm going to put Barack Obama at nine. They've got him at eleven. Uh, I think that's a little high. Okay. I think that's okay. high. I've got I've got Barack Obama at nine just because of the health care. But you uh, got you got Johnson at eight. They they agree yep. with you there on Lyndon Johnson. And I'm going to go John Adams at 10. They've got John Kennedy at nine. I think that's too high on Kennedy. I think that's too high. I think yeah. that's, I mean, I think obviously good looking guy, totally, you know, assassinated young, probably would have won a second term, but it's not like it was going, it was all duckies and bunnies for his three years as president of the United States. No, right? he, did a great, he did a great job of navigating the Cuban Missile Crisis, right? That's kind of the, the reason that you would put him in a spot like that. Um, but if I'm being honest, Adams gave us the U.S. Navy, and and it's largely that's largely the seat of American power across the world is the U.S. Navy. Uh, so it, without that, I don't know that the United States could be the United States um, without Adams. If I'm if you're going to ask me to to think of an alternate to Adams, I'm probably putting. I, I, mm, they got Madison at 10, just to help you. James Madison, War of 1812. Okay. Yeah, well, we lost that. Um, <laughs> you got the losing I, president at 10. No, I can't I, work. I, I, I think I would probably put Clinton at 10. See, they got Kennedy because of the moon and the Cuban Missile Crisis. They think that the NASA, the, the, the mission to go to the moon, that was kind of spearheaded by him, that that's sort of the key. But it, that's, it didn't happen until six years, until what, like eight years later and Nixon was president. Well, yeah, and, and I mean, but obviously he puts the, they say he puts the plan in motion, right? That okay. he's the guy that gets the ball rolling and Johnson picks it up from there. And they have Obama at 11 and Monroe at 12 and Wood, Woodrow Wilson at 13. Just disagree. Just totally disagree. Anyway, so that's a very interesting list. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't put Woodrow Wilson anywhere near the top. The League of Nations was a gross failure uh, and he was a failure of a man. And he didn't, even, he wasn't even the president the last, like the last year and a half of his presidency. His wife was running the show because he had a stroke. And where was, they got a Ulysses S. Grant at 21. Well, what are we doing here? And that's, that's, I think that's a measure of corruption. Uh, 
that you know, he just wasn't very competent with his friends in office and stuff like that. But yep. I mean, he was he was a good president. I think the president. If you're if you're going to ask me for my hottest take presidentially here, the president who I think gets shafted a lot, uh, despite being a very good president, despite how everything ended up, is Richard Nixon. Yeah, Nixon uh, was was considered very successful. He's a very effective he, president until obviously Watergate. And- he he pulled us off the gold standard, which created a short term economic disaster, but is responsible for the huge amount of capital growth that we've been able to have since. Uh, it 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 made our dollar independent, which made our dollar stronger. So Carter was the one that ended up paying for that economically, uh, but the the dollar got stronger, and we were able to kind of globalize the economy post 1970s again with an American boom in the 80s and 90s because of that uh, and he was also responsible for opening China up uh, and and establishing that connection between the US and China which we know is the most influential trade agreement and and connection that we have now that Nixon's responsible for that so economically a lot of the success that we had in the back half of the 20th century in the early 21st century is directly attributable to uh, to Richard Nixon and the policies that he instilled in the late 60s. We bring all of this up because, yes, obviously, yesterday was President's Day, but we also got the news that Jimmy Carter's in hospice care at 98 years old. And it's interesting uh, because Carter, you know, for a long time, I think his presidency was kind of marred by crisis, by economy challenges. He was a one-termer, was beat pretty soundly in the election in 1980 by Reagan, but has, I think, done better post-presidency than maybe any president in the history of my lifetime and maybe you know maybe the best and maybe uh, nobody's going I don't know how many people are going to be like when he passes negative about Carter because you know he's lived such a simple modest life he didn't stay in the game he wasn't guy he didn't all of a sudden leave the White House with 10 million dollars like he went back to kind of living in his modest life and you know actually using his his power and his prestige for philanthropic needs and building homes for people. That's like, like who, that's what you're supposed to do. Like that's what your life of public service is supposed to be about. You know, he didn't go and get rich off of it. He he turned. He just went back to living his regular old civilian life. I I think that'll be his legacy way more than his presidential stuff. Not even close. yeah. I, I do think though, if you if you turn his body clock back fifty years and put him into today's politics, he'd be a superstar. I think that he'd he would be just because everyone no one would be able to disparage his his character. No one would be able to question his motivation. And and I think that if you put a man like that into today's politics, immediately you get the moderate right, the moderate left, and the left left who look at him and say, That's our guy. He might be right. I he, mean, even he, a Charlie he, Kirk said something nice about him. I mean, he doesn't say nice about anything. I mean, I read a tweet about him. It's actually was very positive, which I'm like, that guy doesn't say anything nice about anybody on the left ever. He's right. the worst human 100%. being in the world. But and and people forget, like Jimmy Carter pioneered a lot of stuff that is championed by like the very progressive wing of the Democratic Party today: um, mental health care, environmentalism, uh, clean air and water. Those are all very big pillars of Jimmy Carter's presidency that we forget about because they largely got lost after the eighties when Reagan rolled them back. So these are, these are things that, that he did. He championed that we just forget about because they had no, no legacy, no staying power. So it's unfortunate, but his presidency would have been one of the most transformational in American history. Had it not been for a huge economic downturn and a major crisis in the middle East, uh, 
it was it was unfortunate that we didn't get a second term of, of yeah Carter. and he also had the issue too with you know he kept the you know and that's little stuff but he you know the moscow olympics had to be in moscow in 1980 and he pulls our athletes out of it we don't compete in it now that is i you know maybe maybe the right pr move because certainly the soviets did the same thing when it was in la in 1984 but i wonder like it's little stuff like that 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 obviously i think turned people off on him a little bit and it's not even his fault i'm not even saying we disagree with that i'm just you know, it's just one of those things, right? But right. either way, he's a guy that's going to definitely be looking. You know, I think they're going to people are going to look at him rather fondly. I think the way they do George W. Bush, it's weird because like George W. Bush, when he left office, was maybe the least least popular president in American history. But I would argue, like folks on the left and the right, moderate left, and and certainly the and moderate right, because certainly the far right doesn't seem to like him anymore. But moderate, you know, moderates on either side. Have, are kind of fond of him now. And he has like a different people look at him differently than they used to. Well, and this, this comes back to the conversation about Roosevelt too, Teddy Roosevelt, right? Where Roosevelt, I think would have been more popular had he stayed out of the public eye post presidency. Mm. What did Bush do as soon as he left office? He disappeared for, for eight, yeah. nine years. So he got right? out of the no way, one, didn't campaign, no one, didn't do anything. Right. No one heard from George Bush except for him, like popping up on a couple of interviews here and there, just, Hey, I'm doing this painting thing. You know, I'm just, I'm showing up at an Astros game, right? Here I am at the Texas, the Oklahoma, Texas game, the Red River rivalry, just, Hey, it's George Bush. Hey, I'm playing golf you know? today with, with uh, President Obama and Clinton. Hey, I'm doing this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he just periodically shows up doing post-presidential stuff, just like not, no politics, no campaigning. And what's the result? The toxicity is gone, right? True. Nobody remembers it. Nobody remembers because he just gets out of life. It's one of the reasons that it's going to be really hard for Trump to jump back into a race and try to get back into politics is because he didn't withdraw from public life after his presidency. He stayed in it. He 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 argued he that down. he won. He kept going. Yep. Yeah. It's those those things are what people remember, right? It's it's. You know, what, why do we talk about presidents who leave office more fondly than those who who try to stay in the game? I mean, it's it's easy to say because they're staying involved in politics. And I mean, look at it like this, right? If Hillary Clinton steps away from politics for 20 years, right, after the Clinton presidency, right, and comes back in in 2016 and says, all right, I'm running for Senate and runs for Senate in 2016, not run for president, right? Yep. Now he's back in politics. This stinks completely off because we haven't talked about Hillary for 20 years. You might be right. Right. But it's, she was secretary of state. Or, she was senator. Yeah, she did all this, this stuff. Even even if, if she were just secretary of state, right? Not an elected position, right? Not going on TV all the time. None of that. Just, just handling the business of the nation, right? If she would have just been appointed secretary of state instead of being a senator. And I'm not saying she was a bad senator, right? I'm not. This is not a commentary on her performance. If she would have stayed out of elected politics, until 2016 and ran as secretary Clinton, she probably would have won. Yeah. But she had too much stink on her by the time she got to 2016. Yep. And and it was because it, it's for years, it was the will she, won't she. Yep. Correct. You're right? right. They've been saying that for years. They thought, and same thing with Michelle Obama's in the same spot, kind of to yep. a certain extent. They talk about her all the time. Like she's supposed to run at some point. And this is, she's doing the opposite thing. Right. Where she tells people, I don't want to run. And we haven't heard from Michelle. Obama I just want to write books. I just want to do this, that, this, yeah, this sort of thing. Just, I just want to be just be me. Right. And and if if she if she decides somewhere down the road, I want to be secretary of education. Right. I want to be oh, secretary God. of the interior. Right? You saw what happened so, when she got a hold of the lunch menus. 
<laughs> Jesus Something Christ. Like I'm eating right? some was... garbage at this high school. God damn it. But, but Want some real like food, <laughs> Michelle. God things damn like it. This, right, is if yeah. she decides to get into that and gets appointed something and decides then, okay, now's my time. I'm going. She would have an easier time, I think, than Hillary ever did. You're probably right. No, there's because not as much stink on her. Yeah, there's just not as much stink. Except for the lunch menus, which I got to tell you, she's going to have to answer for that. <laughs> if she if she runs and the other side doesn't push her on lunch menus, we got a problem here. She's going to have the AFT on her on her ass for the... Uh... Seriously, the lunch menus are awful. The food is worse, and it's her fault. Anyway... Here comes the teachers union. Uh, uh, never mind, guys. We're uh, we're not going, Michelle. <laughs> Just re- hey. remember that school pizza. Remember what? She oh, took Jesus from Christ! You. It's the worst. Are you kidding remember me? What she took from you. Oh, Jesus! Let's not even to, talk about it. It's so it bad. Be, it used to be that good greasy sheet pan pizza oh, that my you got God. every Friday. Yes, yes, yes. She's that ruined nostalgic. everything. Even the walking taco is in reduced fat Doritos. Oh. I mean, what are we Crime. doing here? What you, are we even be, doing? You used to be able to get cookies at the a la carte station. God damn, yes, we did. And the malts and more. And everybody says, the- well, but look at that. It led to a bunch of fat asses. Yeah, you're right, because everybody's really skinny now. You know what? You know what? Teenage depression, all-time low. Yeah, all-time low. Everybody's happy. You're right. Everybody's great. It's rolling really good. Everybody, everybody was happy. Out. Everything's everybody coming was up happy. roses. I remember I was in school in 2009 before it happened, right? Before we, before we made that switch. Yep. We were, we were happy. We were all happy. happy. Yep. A little jolly. And I got to tell you, uh, I, I see a lot of those old high school kids give them 10, 12 years out of high school. They're all fat asses. Why? Because they ate real food when they left. They would have learned to handle it when they were in high school. They would have been able to maintain. God damn it. Michelle, oh, well. that's on you. Nevertheless. Nevertheless. <laughs> I think we're going to go into a different direction for a couple minutes. All right. <laughs> Let's, um, I got to talk about this real quick because I, I, I decided that we just, again, file this into the, we can't have nice things thing anymore. Ryan sure. NBA all-star game happened over the weekend. Uh, I think there were like 500 points scored. It was like 192 to 185. No defense played whatsoever. In fact, there were many times in the game where I caught highlights and literally they're all standing around. Like it's worse than any pickup game you've ever seen in your life. Like seriously, there is more comp- there is more competition in a YMCA pickup game. Uh, more defense played in an over 50 league. Uh, it was the worst experience I've ever had. And it makes me say to myself, well, first of all, this is why the NBA sucks. Uh, because nobody wants to play defense or compete. Secondly, this is why I'll never believe that this generation is better than the Jordan generation of the eight of the nineties or the bird generation of the eighties. You'll never get me to believe it because they play defense in all-star games. Um, is this it for all-star games? Do we just got to shut it down, board it up? Let's never do these. Let's just keep playing the season. Let's just stop. Let's stop all of this. Take it back. Take it all back. That's me right now. I just want you to take it all back. I don't want any of it at my table. Am I wrong? Well, I, here's what I think. The problem that you have right now in in all of these, with maybe the exception of the Major League Baseball All-Star Game, right? Maybe with that exception, is a lack of stakes, right? You, there's, there's nothing at stake for these guys. They need to play and, for a bonus and, or something. And, and money doesn't do it. Right? Apparently not. Money, money doesn't do it. There has to be some kind of competitive advantage at stake 
for for guys or conferences or teams that are involved with this thing, right? The thing is, you got you got all these guys with their own brands and their own money, who you know have a their their idea of of a stake is not getting hurt, right? Can't get hurt. And yep. where do you get hurt? Contact. And where does that happen? Defense, right? I don't want to get a concussion in the all-star game and miss two weeks of, of the regular season when we get back because I had a concussion. I don't want to break my arm or tear my ACL, so I'm just not going to try very hard. And I don't want anyone else to tear their ACL in this game, and that doesn't matter because there's no stakes in it. Uh, you know, going up on a contested dunk and coming down funny on his on his leg, right? That's No one wants to do that. Then shut it down. Right? Shut it all so, down. So if either you have to shut it down, which I would not be opposed to, or – you have to add some stakes to it. You have to find a way to make it worth their time and and worth worth more effort for them to play. Maybe, I don't know, I'm just throwing it out there. Maybe it, you know, a team, every team sends one guy, right? And the conference that wins, all of those teams get an extra get an extra uh uh chance at the lottery. Okay, well there's something. Right? Yeah. You know, it, Maybe some some competitive advantage, right? So, if if you're a team that would normally not be playing for a lottery pick, but your your conference won the, uh, uh, you know, won the the All Star game, suddenly you've got a shot at a lottery pick, right? You know, and and maybe maybe that's not the right answer, but it's something, right? It's, but I'm, it's, I'm just saying, like guys used to play, and here we go with my old back in my day stuff, Ryan. I get it, I get it. I'm old. I understand that, like. You didn't need the extra motivation to play back in my day. Like, all-star guys wanted to play in the all-star game. Go watch the 91-92 all-star game. Go watch those and tell me those guys didn't play. Yes, there were a lot of points scored, but those guys got after each other. There were some hard fouls. Like, they weren't screwing around. Like, they were trying to win the game. And it was just because, like, it was personal pride. Like, Jordan wasn't trying to concede a game to, you know, somebody on the other side. Carl Malone, like, he wasn't trying to let Carl Malone have a win. Like, yeah, uh, I wouldn't that, want to let Carl Malone win anything either. Well, I wouldn't let him near my daughter. That's for damn sure. Anyway, uh, yeah, what did I? Whoa, hang on. Why? Why did I say that? Stop it. Anyway, um, damn it. Hate when that happens. Got you again, and, Tim. Damn it. Yes, you did it to me again. But I'm just saying, we used to not have to have a reason. We just played it because it was a game and it was an honor to be there and let's play it. But if that's not the case, shut it down. Just shut it down. And everybody's like, well, load management, got to protect our bodies. I heard Kyrie Irving talking about, hey, don't dehumanize us because we don't want to play. Man, fuck off. Seriously. You play 82 nights a year. 82. Right? And you don't even want to play all 82. You play like 62. You play like 65. Be careful that Kyrie might not believe in day and night. It's like, seriously. Like, what are we even talking about here? You play 60-some-odd nights a year because you won't play a full 82, and you're going to lecture me about how hard you work? Get the fuck out of here. Like, seriously, get out of here with that. Play or not. Like, just play or don't play, but shut up. Like, seriously, if you don't want to play, cancel it. Let's cancel 20 games off the schedule, cancel the All-Star game, play your 62 games, and let's move on. Yeah, but if, maybe, but if they sign up for it, I want you there and I want you playing. Maybe what we uh, maybe what we need is uh, uh, something like what the PGA has, where guys can you know there there's certain games that they have to play, but otherwise they can just sit, you know, and and just you know load manage their bodies and. 
I don't like hearing that from the PGA guys either. When they're signing up for 20 tournaments a season, they're like, oh, 20 tournaments. That's a lot. Man, kiss my ass. Seriously. 20 tournaments. It's nothing. And and to be fair, them signing up for 20 tournaments is not a guaranteed payday for them. I get it. I understand that. That's not the NBA is in another another realm of that where, you know, every game you're getting paid for it. You know, the NFL, every game you're getting paid for it, at least in the PGA, they have the idea of, hey, I can't I just can't afford to go to this many tournaments because I'm not winning money. You know, that's that's one thing. You know what I mean? But if you're if you're making a game check, man, there's just no excuse to me. You know, you're getting you're getting the all star bonus to go to the all star game. There's just no excuse to me. Go do your job. Yes. Contractually, you're obligated. Go play. Just go play. Fans paid money to be there. Go play. I get it. It's Utah. Maybe you don't want to hang out there. I understand that. I don't, I'm not saying I want to hang out there either. I'm just saying you're there. Go play. Like, that's all you got to do. You're like, well, they're dehumanizing us. They want us to be, you know, like we're performers. Yeah. Guess what? You are. That's exactly what you are. And that's exactly what you signed up to be. And that's exactly you, what you're being paid $40 million to do. You put a ball in a hoop for millions of dollars. You and play a game. Fine. You don't have to argue with that. You can make all the money. I don't care. Yeah, I don't care what you get paid, right? I'm not sitting here saying you get paid too much, right? Clearly, your product is good, but you're an entertainer. Like, that's your job. Jesus. I, sweet Jesus. Just shut it down. Like I said, take it all back. Take it back. Take it back to the kitchen. Have Tell the chef I don't want it. If you just did a skills competition, if you just did the skills competition, duck contest, three-point contest, how bad would it be? Like, listen, is it fine that Mac McClung won the dunk contest? Was it impressive? Sure. But are you paying $100 to go watch Mac McClung dunk? I sure no. as hell am not. But you, but every every once in a while, you get, the, you get Zach Levine 20, 2016. Zach Levine's not even a top twenty player in the league. Like, no, why, but it's great, great. But who gives he's a good shit? At the dunk, right? I mean, you you get that that excellent uh, uh, dunk got, contest that we had between him and what's his name from Orlando. I got, but I get Jordan winning two dunk contests in the eighties. I get uh, Vince Carter in ninety nine, maybe one of the great dunk contests of all time. Vince Carter was an all star. I want all stars in the competition. I don't want the All-Stars brothers, and I don't want people who are not stars in the game, period. Don't want it. Take it all back. You can have it. Don't want it. Right. I don't I don't hate the idea of the celebrity All-Star game. That's fine. Whatever. Have one. Baseball has the celebrity softball game. Nobody watches that. I mean, well, I, I guess people watch it, but I mean, like, I haven't watched a home run derby in five years. It's boring. It's horrible. I hate it. I mean, you could, if you could get Janelle Monet. Yeah, you know, sure. In, uh, yes. In in a basketball game more. I mean, just uh, call me. I'll, listen, I'll listen watch, who could, I'll watch I'm not whenever. trying to I'm not saying anything. I'm not trying to even argue with that. I'm just saying. It's fine. It's fine. It is it's fine. fine. It's you know what? It's but fine. But the but the actual all-star game itself. It's gotta go. It's gotta go. Stop it. it. I don't true. want it. Get rid of it. All right. We did that one. Ready to move on to something else? What do you want to talk about next? By the way, uh, Zach just sent something in our text stream, and I want you to start thinking about it. Uh, great conversation was had this week. I was reading uh, one of my favorite writers online, Kevin Van Valkenburg. Uh, Valkenburg, we call him KVV in the business. He writes for No Laying Up now. He wrote for ESPN for years. He did. Somebody wrote him a letter to name his top five favorite Kevins after him. So I thought we need to have a podcast, a pod parry, where we go top five Ryans, 
top five Zachs, top five Tims of all time. Uh, Zach's uh, already true, submitted his top five Ryans. He's like, <laughs> true, true or false? True or false? Zach Morris tops your list. For Zach? Oh, he's got to be a top five Zach. 100% he's going to be a top five Zach. Probably right, Zach, Zach Grinky. Zach Grinky. Maybe Zach Johnson. Yeah. Uh, the Ryder Cup captain. Yeah, definitely Zach Morris. Yeah. That's going to take some thought. It's going to take some thought. Oh, here's what he's, you want to know what he's got for you so far? I don't know if you'll agree with this, but here you go. All right, R- Ryan Reynolds, Ryan Seacrest, Ryan Braun, Ryan Howard, and Ryan Shamrock. <laughs> Ryan Shamrock, the fake sister of Ken Shamrock and the wrestling angle circa 1999. You know what? There are worse Ryans. <laughs> there are worse Ryans. There are worse I'm probably, I'm, I'm happy not to be on that list. We'll just put it that way. That's what I'm saying. You have to decide besides you, your top five Ryans. So like you need to go back and look at that list and see who your top five Ryans are. And we're going to do top five Zachs, top five Tims. That's going to be one of our pods coming up. We're going to do that. All right, fine. I'm good with that. All right. What else you got, Tim? Here's what I'm going to, I want to offer you a chance to talk. uh, Let's talk football because I know you want to talk a little football. I didn't get the chance last time. What do you mean? Oh, I was was on the post. That's right. You were out of the Super Bowl conversation. Do you want to weigh in on anything? Do you have really. thoughts on I, that, or are you good? Are we past it? I just I, we're, we're past it, but suffice to say, I, I think that uh, I, I really think that that we're watching the most talented quarterback of all time in Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I'm not ready to call him the greatest yet. We can't call him the greatest. Can't do it. Right? Sorry, can't not going to let you have it. Got, got a long way to go before we get there. Got a long way there. to go. There's got a, seven a, Super Bowls to go. There's a lot of longevity questions there that we have to answer before we can get there. Correct. Uh, but but he's, he's already better than Rodgers. Already better than Favre. Uh, Already uh, yeah, better than Marino. I would say that if you if you asked me if there's a quarterback who has done more on on any roster that has won a Super Bowl, my answer would probably have to be no. Uh because even even when Brady was winning his Super Bowls early at this point in his career, right? What was he doing? He was handing the ball off to Corey Dillon. He was re- he was relying on a really good defense, and a, and it was Adam Vinatieri that won those games. Now, now Brady did a good job, right? I'm not taking it away from Brady. I was say, has, let's be very let's tread very he lightly has, here. He has, he has the rings, but Brady wasn't doing what Mahomes is doing. Right? Mahomes, Mahomes is very good. Mahomes very is good. doing when 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 Michael Jordan won six titles. He's doing what Michael Jordan did on those title teams. Tom grew into greatness. I think Mahomes was the more talented. I don't. I don't disagree with that. Mahomes might if, be the most talented quarterback I've seen. In if we get years. to a point where we, we where they have comparable legacies, if if they have even close to the same number of titles by the time Mahomes is done, I think we're going to be talking about Mahomes as the greatest quarterback of all time. You might be right. Like he's already where Peyton Manning is. Two two Super Bowl wins and three Super Bowls. Like if you, there's if you a lot Patrick going on Mahomes, there. If you put Patrick Mahomes on any of those teams that Manning was on, I would take Mahomes over Manning. And this is coming from a guy who grew up a Colts fan, right? I I was I was around Indianapolis when when Manning was at his at his best. I was there in 2004. I was around that that city when that was happening. It was electric, and and I would take Mahomes over Manning. Yeah. I think Mahomes is really good. I got to see a little more. Like six years to me is, I mean, it's been a great six years. No One question about it. One of the best six-year stretches in NFL 100%. History. I can't disagree with that. I think I need six more before For, we can if, have that if conversation. We're gonna have, if we're going to have the conversation of, of Mahomes versus Brady, it has to be. It has to be. I think it has to be at least 10 more. But it's, I think he's got to get to at least two more Super Bowls, and he's got to win one more, and we can have a conversation. 
Yeah. Like to me, because then he's got three Super Bowl wins, five Super Bowl appearances. That puts him ahead of Elway as far yeah. as he, he has the same number of appearances and he has one more win. Elway I've got as a top five all-timer. So like I would put him there. I mean, I got Manning as a top fiver, but Montana has four wins. Like, you know, and so like people discount Montana and I think that's well, a bad and, idea. And, and what was the conversation for years is it was Brady versus Montana, right? Brady clearly comes out ahead. We're no longer having that conversation. Now we have to talk about, you know, where is Mahomes in this in this spectrum, right? In this in this sort of uh, cadre of great quarterbacks, where does Mahomes fall? Uh, and and it's important to remember that you know Elway didn't win those two Super Bowls until the end of his career. That's right, right? And and you know Montana, the the cast around Montana was incredible. That is right? true. Taking is true. nothing, taking nothing away from Joe Montana, who was a great quarterback in his own right, and and you know despite the fact that that Bill Walsh claims that he found him by accident, right? These are these are things that that you know the the circumstances of the football gods coming together to put those those 1980s uh, 49er teams together, right? And, and Bill Walsh being one of those football gods. That matters, right? Belichick being Brady's coach matters. Andy Reid being Mahomes' coach matters. 100%. Right? We, and, and those those things all are circumstances that we have to bring into this. But yep, correct. Uh, I think it's important to note that I would take Mahomes over Montana. Wow. Right? It it if if you put Mahomes on those teams in the 80s, I what do you do? Cuz Montana could move, right? But he didn't have the the same kind of arm that that Mahomes has. That's fair, right? Mahomes yeah. has 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 a rubber arm that can throw from any angle and still get there. Mahomes he, is incredible. Uh, I completely agree. He he does. He plays the way that Brett Favre played without the mistakes that Brett Favre made. Oh, he makes and, a few mistakes still. I you know I'm not no, ready to I'm let saying, him off the hook for saying, that. I'm not saying he doesn't make mistakes, right? But he makes he the mistakes he makes are not the mistakes that Brett Favre made. Right. Right. He's not throwing across his body into coverage at a, in a huge moment of a game. He's oh, throwing that ball away. I was gonna say we just cut open a right? vein here on Ryan. He's he's you know he's not throwing a a ten yard out against the Giants uh, in in the in the overtime of the NFC title game in t- the 2007 title game against the Giants uh, in in man coverage that's going to get picked off. Right. That's a poor decision. Mahomes is rolling out and looking for opportunities. Right. It's those are the mistakes that he's learning from those. It's it just feels like it, every time we talk about a new guy like this, it's an evolution of the quarterback position. The reason all why these he, guys just get better. And he's got the thing, too, that he's in this conference with all these great guys. Right. With Burrow, who we think is good. We like Lawrence. We think Lawrence is going to be really good. We think Josh Allen's really good. We think. That Herbert, you think Herbert's going to be really, really good. I mean, he's going to have to run through four or five guys a year, every year for the next 10, 12 years. And the reason why Brady gets the love is because, well, yeah, he ran through Manning every year, had to play Peyton Manning every year, uh, it seemed like. So, he, you know, Roethlisberger, you know, Phillip Rivers, all these guys who are, you know, Drew Hall Brees. of Famers or borderline, Drew Brees. Like, he played in a really good quarterback era and was the best guy. And now this is where Mahomes has that too, because now yeah. that kind of baton's been passed, and it's it's in him once again. I think he's going to be 
the force to be reckoned with for the next how many years. But if he runs up five, six more years, goes to a couple more Super Bowls, yeah, this conversation's real. No and, no and question about it. For sure. And and I think that if we're going to compare eras a little bit, I think that if we're going to compare uh, Bra- the Brady-Manning dichotomy, right, where I think a lot of people would have agreed Manning was the more talented quarterback, but Brady was the quarterback who achieved more, right, that I, I think that's a fair conversation, right? It, Peyton Manning had, a, had at least in the early part of his career, great arm, great head, you know, knew where everything was on the football field, could hit just about anything that you asked him to hit and hit it accurately, uh, had a great supporting cast. You may have taken Manning over Brady early in that career, but there's sure. no question. Manning was far and away the most talented. Yeah. Right. But Brady was the better quarterback because he was clutch, right? He could French. Yep. Uh, now you have this question of kind of who's the Manning to Mahomes Brady. Right? Who is the the? There is no one who's more talented than Mahomes. Right? There is no Unless one people who's like Burrow more than Mahomes. Like, people like Burrow, but do, Burrow's got to get back to a Super Bowl. There, maybe got to win one before that conversation really gets had. Right? There is no one who is going to who loves Joe Burrow more than me. Right? I've been on this podcast how many times saying yeah, that you I love have. Joe Burrow. I was gonna say you kind of have a, a little. It's an unhealthy I'm, thing. I'm a Burrow yeah. guy. I love Joe Burrow. I love the swag. I love the talent. Joe Burrow's not more talented than Patrick Mahomes. Mm. I, Joe, Joe Burrow's really good. Joe Burrow it, it may end up being one of these all-time guys that we talk about, right? May end up being one of those guys. We don't know yet. We know Patrick Mahomes is one of those guys. I think you're right. And and for me, that Manning, we knew Manning was one of those guys. We knew Brady was one of those guys. And there isn't that, there's no emergent talent alongside Mahomes right now that says, you know, the, this guy's an all-timer. We have some guys that could be pretty good, a lot of potential. You, you mentioned Herbert. I like Herbert, but Herbert hasn't lived up to the pen- potential in, in, in the two years that he's played. Obviously, or the three years that he's played, Lawrence could be that guy if, if he continues on the trajectory that we saw this year with Doug Peterson. And Doug Peterson's the kind of coach that we can see a quarterback grow under and become really good. I don't think that Herbert has that. Right. Burrow. I don't think Burrow has that coach yet. Right. Where Burrow could have that coach. I like Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor grew on me this year. I like Zach Taylor, but Zach Taylor's not Andy Reid. He's not Bill Walsh and he's not Mm. Bill Belichick. I think he's improved pretty drastically the last couple of years. No, you're you're right. I I think he's improved. I thought he coached his ass off in the playoffs. Like he out coached McDermott. I thought he coached some good games in the playoffs. Like he was legit good. You know, th- and there's going to be some people that that say that you know Josh Allen's the the Manning to his Brady, but I I don't agree with that either. I'm not seeing that. Yeah. I saw a step backward. Yeah, he he didn't look good this year. There is, and and you might have been hurt. 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 Might have been hurt. Right. There, there's some of that to this, but at the same time, we don't have that. We don't have that rivalry yet. We've seen a couple of them that they might they might kind of spring up, right? But we don't have it. Well, Burrow There's, has beaten Mahomes qu- a few times in big spots, so yeah, like that could I, I, play itself out a little more. We'll see. But you, you could also argue that the Chiefs' defense was was not very good. They've not had the talent level to overcome that that elite Bengals offense that is going to have to get broken up here in a couple of years. Right? We're going to see fair. just how good Joe Burrow is when he doesn't have all three of his receivers and a tight end. And an Mahomes kind of needed this Super Bowl without Tyreek Hill, didn't he? Like, didn't yeah. that kind of add to his legacy? The fact that he did it without kind of like, yeah. you know, like, like Brady has won Super Bowls now with like four different casts. So like yeah. he gets credit because he's won with 
nothing. He won with David Patton as his best receiver. He won with Wes Welker and Troy Brown and Edelman and then Gronkowski. And now he goes to Tampa, wins with another crop of people. So, like, he's won with multiple folks. That's the next step for Mahomes, right? He's got to win with different casts of characters across the board. Yeah, and and I definitely think that you have the the question of how good is Mahomes without Kelsey? That'll be the next question. Because Kelsey, I think – especially this year has established himself as top 10 all time uh, in his position. Yeah. I think he's the best all time. No, come on now. Stop that. Stop. I can't know at at tight end at tight end. Who would you rather have? You'd rather have Gronk in his prime. You would not rather have Gronk in his prime. Gronk was unstoppable. Gronk was unstoppable. Have you seen Travis Kelsey? Travis you like Kelsey Tony Gonzalez at all? Tony Gonzalez do anything for you? I would rather have Travis Kelsey. You'd rather have you, Shannon Sharp? I would rather have Travis Kelsey. Shannon Sharp won three Super Bowls. I know. Hall Travis, of Ke- Travis Kelsey's won two, and he might be on his way to win three. Shannon Sharp was really good. Tony I Gonzalez. I'm Antonio not taking Gates. Any, I'm not taking anything away from those guys. Antonio Gates never won one. The, no, that's true, but Antonio Gates pretty good. Pretty good. I loved Antonio pretty good receiving Gates. Tight end. I grew up watching Ant- Antonio Gates, right? Dallas Clark. I grew up watching Dallas, Dallas Clark. Clark. Now he's better than Dallas Clark. Yeah, he kicks Dallas Clark's ass. Right. But you, you see what I'm saying though, right? Is, yeah. is it's These are talented, really talented players who you can ask. Ozzie Newsome? I'd rather have, I'd rather have uh, Kelsey. Okay. I'd rather have Kelsey. Yeah, I probably would too, but, to be honest with you on that one. And it's, it's nothing against those guys, right? But he doesn't, he never drops a pass. He's always open. And he can move an open field. I'm not sure I got him over Gronk, but at the same time, like I think it's a worthy conversation. It's at least debatable, right? I think so. Like, I think it's debatable. I, I'll take Gronk right now, still, but but it is a conversation to have. No question. I mean, Gronk, Gronk, I think won one more Super Bowl than than. And Gronk was unguardable. Kelsey, right? Like they had to beat him up. They basically had to pass interfere him every single down in order to stop him because he, you know, he just was a matchup nightmare. The so. the joke that I'm seeing post Super Bowl this year has been. Travis Kelsey doesn't look that athletic. How his how his is he always as open as he is? Right? Some how is he always good that scheming? Open? Yeah, some of it's good scheme, it's, but he's just a good athlete, man. He's and, and I think I think that opens up another conversation about the Super Bowl that I don't know that we've had enough of. Where does Andy Reid fall in the coaching pantheon here? Well, now right? that he's got that, three Super Bowl appearances and two wins. Like that puts him in, you know, company, right? There's some guys that have two that I think like Tom Flores has two Super Bowls. That's kind of a two hit wonder to me. I don't, I think he's better than Tom Flores. Um, you know, I've got him longevity. I got him ahead of Jimmy Johnson, you know, yeah. because he's done it longer. He's done it with two different teams. You know, Jimmy couldn't do it in Miami. And it's not um, like it's not like he inherited a great team in 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 Kansas. No, he City. inherited a terrible terrible team. Was that the Herm Edwards team he inherited? Yeah. Or was that the Romeo Cronell, Javon Belcher? You know. Well, uh, I, I don't remember. They were like three and thirteen. They were they not were good. Bad. Yeah, they were some bad team. I mean, he was winning with Alex Smith. Like he yeah. resurrected that with Alex Smith. Like, I think we saw how good McNabb was when he left Andy Reid. Not good. I think he got a lot out of some of those guys. So yeah, I don't know. I, I, it, he, I don't think that Donovan McNabb's a Hall of Fame talent by any stretch of the imagination. Pretty good, but not a Hall of Fame talent, right? And you were able to meld that locker room with a ton of personalities like Brian Dawkins and and uh, uh, Terrell Owens and Donovan McNabb. 
on on those Eagles teams and managed to to create a run where you should have won a Super Bowl. You didn't, right? Minus you, you the, my, if Belichick's not coaching in this era, I think Reed probably has one or two more. Yeah, just my sure. thought. They went to it's, like five NFC title games in a row for Philadelphia or whatever it was. They went to a million NFC title games and didn't win any of them. They they are the NFL equivalent of of the eighties and nineties Pistons, right? It's they, those Andy Reid teams. They just yep. they should have won more, but they ran into these these legendary teams that they just couldn't beat, right? These these teams that just had all these all timers on them. They, they, you know, we're talking about guys who were potentially greatest of all time type players and coaches, right? And you just couldn't beat them. And it, despite the fact that you were a great team and you probably should have won one or two. So, yeah, you think of all the guys Andy Reid kind of ran down or had to get run down by Brett Favre, Rodgers. You know, he caught the tail end of Steve Young. You know, he was, you know, he's on the verge. You know, he was, he was not, it wasn't like he was dealing with, with, a lot of weak customers at the end of his line here. He had, you know, Eli for years, twice a year when Eli was, I mean, Eli's, you know, whatever, but Eli's a good quarterback who's won two Super Bowls. Like he had to deal with him. Uh, and I, I don't know. I thought he came out. Okay. Like, I don't know. Reed's pretty Eli, solid. Manning, Eli Manning, who had half his brother's talent and twice the clutch ability. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a Reed guy. I think Reed's a brilliant offensive mind. Who's evolved. Like if you yeah. look at his coaching tree, like when you look at Peterson, and you look at John Gruden came out of this coaching tree, and you look at uh, some of the offensive minds. I don't even know if guys like Gruden evolved. Reed evolves. Like, he yeah. changes. He he adjusts. He tries new things. I like that about I'm a Reed guy. I think Reed's awesome. Great yeah, coach. I agree. But that's my thoughts on the Super Bowl. Let me you give know. you this, though. Let's stay with the Chiefs for just one second, because Eric Bieniemy shifted to go to the Washington Cobra Commanders to be the offensive coordinator, basically because he needs to call plays. I don't believe that that's what's. I don't believe that's all of what's holding him back here. Uh, some people are are trying to narrow this down to be a very black and white thing, almost literally. Um, but I think there's more to this. There has to be because it just doesn't make sense that it's just him being singled out here. Um, when guys like D'Amico Ryan's are getting hired, when Lovey's getting a second and a third chance, uh, when you know Tomlin was hired on a, like at 27 years old to become a head coach, you know whatever or 30 whatever, he was young as hell when he got hired in Pittsburgh, and he's been there forever. Something's holding back Eric Bieniemy, and is it just the fact that he's not calling the? It's, it can't be just that because Doug Peterson didn't call the plays. Kevin, you know, there's a lot of guys that don't call the plays. It can't be just that. Why has he interviewed 16 times and not gotten a job? In your opinion, I mean, it's there's a couple of, I mean, theories as far as why that could be. I I don't know. Don't you feel right. like well, teams ought to have well, to come out at some point and say like, here's why we didn't hire him? I I, I don't know that they have to do that. I, I think that he will get a shot eventually, right? I mean, it's the hard part right now is one. How much of this chief's success is coming from Eric Bieniemy? Right? How much of it? Right? And 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 they can they can gas him up in the post game press conference all they want. They can say, yeah, it was it was EB that came up with this idea of this play that had two wide open touchdowns to both sides of the field in the Super Bowl against against the Philadelphia that you know that that turned the game for us. They can say all that they want, but the question remains, did he call that play or did, did Reed call that play, right, in that moment? 
Yeah. Was it Reed or was it EB? Who was it? And then you have the questions of his personal conduct off the field where he's had a couple DUIs. Yep. He's, he's been a little erratic with the law. Uh, he's, he's had some, some issues with, uh, and, and this I'm, I'm, I'm going off of memory. I don't have it in front of me, but I believe there was an issue with a potential domestic dispute, uh, that, that could have come up. I could be mix, mix, mixing that up with someone else. So don't, you know, don't take me out my word on that one. But, uh, I, I think that there was something like that. I think, I, I wonder if the right. OC thing in Colorado works against him. He was two years, the offensive coordinator at the university of Colorado under John Embry. And it was a total disaster. Like that was one of the, you know, he got fired quickly. It was a, you know, they got, they broomed him up out of there pretty quickly, but you know, when he was running back coach here with Adrian Peterson, you know, a lot of people lauded him here. They liked him here as the offense, as a running backs coach. They thought he did a great job, but then you have mixed messages, even with former Chiefs players, like guys like Tyree kill, love him. Mahomes loves him. Guys like LaShawn McCoy, take that with a grain of salt, hate him and think he'll fail in this job. Like, so it's, it's, he's, and, you know, I don't know. I feel like if you interview 16 times, the law of averages says you're going to get hired once, unless you're a horrendous interviewer, which a lot of people said was the knock on Mike Zimmer for a number of years. Like Zimmer got interviewed probably 10, 12 times, right? Before he finally got the Vikings job. But for years, he was lauded as a top two, three defensive coordinator. Uh, why doesn't he get an opportunity? He was a Parcells guy. Parcells guy should be getting hired. You know, all these other Parcells guys get hired. Why not Zimmer? What is happening here? And then you come to find out, like from people, the rumors behind the scenes were Zimmer's not a great interviewer. He's a little bit, he's a little tough to read in the room. Like he's a little bossy. He's a little arrogant. Uh, and that doesn't serve well. But then you start to watch him when he was coached the Vikings and you go, yeah, that tracks. You know, all that tracks. Because it seemed like all of those things that maybe teams were afraid of with Zimmer came to roost. You wonder, because if, and I don't have this on authority or anything, but you just wonder, like, is he not a good interviewer? I mean, what is it? What is the issue that's holding this guy up? Because by all accounts, he should have been hired by now. Well, and we we now live in a league that is so corporate and professional that, I think sometimes football guys, like real, like old school football guys, like Zimmer, uh, and maybe Bienemy, right? Bienemy's been around a long time. He's been coaching a long time. Guys like that, I don't know if they get the shots uh, that that the guys who can appeal to more of a corporate sense of of team and and culture uh, can can appeal to, right? I, I look at guys like like. Kevin O'Connell, and, and I don't mind Kevin O'Connell, right? He's the Vikings coach. I like him. I want him to succeed. But you get the feeling that Kevin O'Connell can walk into a room and say what he needs to say, right, to, to get the job done and, and just kind of be squeaky and clean, where a guy like Enemy might go in there and say, well, if I'm going to take this job, here's what I want to do. And ownership can look at that and say, you know, that plan might work for somebody, but it ain't going to work for us, right? Because – it ain't good teams that are hiring head coaches. First of all, that's that's true, right? It's you know how do we stay profitable with a with a bad football team? And Eric Bieniemy's answer might be, you've got to get worse, right? Because what did the Chiefs do when when the Chiefs when the Chiefs decided they wa- they wanted to get really good? They got worse, right? They they parted ways with fan favorites. They got rid of guys like Jamal Charles. They were bad for a number of years. They blew it up. They blew it up. And then they traded up for a quarterback. 
And a guy like Biennemi could come in and into that interview process and say, you know, everywhere that I've been around, they blew it up, right? What did Minnesota do in, in 2006? They drafted high and they drafted his running back, right? That they, they, they were not good. And they got a guy who turned the franchise around, right? You could, you could look at the success of the Vikings for the last 10 years, 13 years, almost 20 years now. That every successful season the Vikings have had is tied back to that draft pick, right? You built around Adrian Peterson. You have a running football team. You have a defense that that thrives on a running football team. You hired Mike Zimmer because you were a running football team, and you had success because of it. And who was the guy that that said they should do that? Eric Bieniemy, right? He was in that room. He was a part of that pick. Eric Bieniemy knows has been around teams that have rebuilt. He's been around these programs, so. I think that what we're looking at is a guy who doesn't fit a corporate mold in a league that wants to be a corporate league. And it's unfortunate. And I think if I were to pick a reason, and again, it's speculation, but if I were to pick a reason that he's not getting a head coaching position, that's probably what I'd say is he just doesn't fit the mold. It's also interesting though, too, like if there is a, and I, I mean, obviously there's, you know, people are going to go with the racial component and the racial narrative. And I understand that I do uh, because if hard you to, look hard at to it, deny it. It's hard to deny it. it. It just is. If you look at the guys who are getting hired, the black coaches who are getting hired, you know, Tomlin, defensive coach, Sala, defensive coach, Ryan's defensive coach. How many, like Jim Caldwell, maybe the last offensive coach of color to be a head coach? Like Todd Bowles, defensive coach. It's there. If there is something to be said here, yeah, left I think get a job last year either. Yeah, if you start to look around, you just look at who are the coaches that are getting hired? Offensive young coaches, and none of them are of color. Like, none of them are. And that is, I think, a conversation. Like, that is a legitimate conversation. Like, it's almost like you see... Like, well, D'Amico Ryans fires up a defense and he knows how to lead, but he's a defensive guy and blah, 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 blah. Like, Anthony Lynn might have been an offensive coach. I'll give you off. Anthony Lynn was an offensive coach, too. Like, but that's but really he, it, though. He, he didn't last long. No, he, he didn't. He was there for what, two years? Two years. And then they went out and they, they hired their defensive guy. Does it? I mean, does I, that, that's, if you're looking for patterns that track, that pattern is interesting. That this, tracks. This to me, smacks of that old conversation of 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 black guys can't be quarterbacks right doesn't it it's, it does feel a it, little like that right it's it's not to like i said i don't want to turn everything into that but you can't deny what you're looking at right you can't deny you the history see. and culture of the league right it has been a thing where where offensively the the people who run the show on offense which is where you score all your points it's where the money is made right historically the league has said if you're black, you can't run it, right? You can catch the ball. You can have the ball handed to you. You can block for the guy who, who takes the snaps, but the guy who takes the snaps is a white guy, right? The guy who calls the shots is a white guy. And and maybe they were they maybe they weren't. And like last year, people were like, "Ah, oh, why didn't Leftwich get the Jags job?" Well, Peterson's probably a better coach than Leftwich. Case in point, Leftwich got fired as the OC by Todd Bowles this year for Tampa Bay at the end of the yeah. season. So maybe Peterson was the right hire. Right, and I do think that's important to keep that in mind as well. Well, and but, and you have a you have a Super Bowl winning coach versus a, an offensive coordinator who was a former player, 
right? And and nothing, no disrespect to Byron Leftwich, right? Because I like Leftwich. I think he's a good coach. I just think they had a bad year this year, right? He has a history of of producing a good offense down. There. Hugh Jackson, I should remember too, also an offensive coach that got a head coaching yeah, job. Well, but even then, what? I mean, he, Hugh, Jackman, Jackson. Hugh Jackson's not a good coach. No, he's not. But Doug Peterson is a guy you hire. And Jim Caldwell was right? a good coach. Jim he Caldwell was. was a good coach. But, but again, we have to come back to the 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 short leash that he had in Detroit. Very short after, leash. After building a really good team. The short leash he had in Indianapolis. Yeah, after, very short leash. Really won a team. Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, it, Did he win he a Super Bowl? No, he no, went to a Super Bowl. He went to, went to one. Went to uh, one. Didn't win. And he was, I think he was the OC for Dungy. That's right. The, OC the, for yeah, Dungy went back when they lost to the Saints. Yeah. Uh, and, and the... He got fired uh, the year before they hi- they they drafted Andy Luck, I right. think. Right, that's right. Because yeah, it was it was the Arians Pagano. The yeah. Pagano gets sick, and then Arians yep. takes the job, and it goes from there. Right. So Ari- Arians goes to goes to Arizona after that, and it was, you know, it was that whole thing came after they fired Caldwell for going two and fourteen. Well, you lost your quarterback, your Hall of Fame quarterback, to a neck injury. Your you're playing Kerry. Is, you're playing Kerry Collins and Curtis Payne right. for your quarterback. Your, your whole your whole team is built around Peyton Manning. Literally, your whole roster is built around Peyton Manning for almost twenty years, right? Well, I, I guess I guess fifteen years at this point, right? Almost fifteen years. You're built around Peyton Manning, and he goes down with a neck injury. You're questioning whether or not he's ever going to play again, and the head coach is the one that gets fired, and he goes to Detroit and wins. Right, like, wins then, right away. And he goes. He goes. He. Uh, they almost won the division one year. They got a couple to the, of nine got, and seven seasons. Which uh, the Lions all of a sudden are like, "Whoa, nine and seven ain't good enough around here." Like, really? Like, right. <laughs> should, dude, you should take that for a decade before you start talking. Right. And and you know he he just didn't get the leash that that some of these other offensive guys get. Right. Like if. If like Kingsbury, had, if if he had King, if if Kingsbury, like no way Kingsbury gets to have four years with what he's put up so far. No, no. if you swapped John, uh, Jim Caldwell and and Cliff Kingsbury, right in the same situation, you we were making the argument that Kingsbury may have been a, a two and done, right, a couple of years ago. Now, obviously, he's gone this year, but if if Caldwell's down there, he's almost certainly two and done. Right, I mean, you wouldn't have expected him to get another season if if he had if he had the season that Nathaniel Hackett had, he wouldn't have been given until the end of the year in Denver, right? And and Jim Caldwell to this day is still without a job, right? And it sounded it, like today Caldwell says he's out, like he's just going to step away, but he's going to continue to be an advocate or whatever. But it sounds like he's sure, out of the but, out of the out of the running. He doesn't want to be a coach anymore. But why would you, right? If yeah, this is how you're, you're just treated, interviewing and you're not getting any looks, yeah. If if this is if you're just a Rooney Rule candidate, why would you? No, I agree. Right? What's what's the point? I'm gonna uh, this year. I'm gonna fly out to Pittsburgh. I'm gonna fly out to as for for an OC interview. I'm gonna fly out to Jacksonville for a head coaching interview. Houston's interviewing for a head coaching position. Lovey Smith. Lovey Smith got the shaft in Houston. I completely right? agree. Defensive he got the coach, shaft in right? Tampa. He got the, he shaft, in the Tampa. shaft in Tampa, right? He got the shaft in in Chicago. He got the shaft, right? The Lovey Smith dedicated his entire career to the Chicago Bears, and and brought them to a Super Bowl, and for the first time in in thirty years. You're right. 
and and brought them back to relevance. They're they're challenging for division titles, and they have a couple of bad years and they let him go, right? Like it's it just feels like you start to have these conversations. And again, you, I know you don't want to you, you don't want to have the, that you don't want to make it about that. And and I understand why, and I understand why certain people don't, but. It is kind of about the race question, right? About when you look at the dichotomy between how, how the leash that some coaches get versus the leash that other coaches get, you start to ask the question of why. I just believe that it, it comes down to, I, I'm not saying that, that, like I said, I agree with you. I think it's a it's definitely there. It's a thing, especially with, for some reason, offensive coaches. with And in a league that hires offensive coaches regularly over defensive coaches, very rarely are they getting offensive opportunities or like head coaching opportunities from that position. Now that he's calling the plays in the, in Washington and if he runs a top 10 offense and they still don't hire him, somebody has got to answer for that. Like, I really believe that like somebody has to stand up and say, we're not hiring him because of his res because of his off the field stuff, or we're not hiring him because he doesn't interview well or because of X, Y, and Z. But you can't just say, eh, we're going to continue to hire the unqualified defensive coordinator, Jonathan Gannon. Who, I'm sorry, I'm just going to come out and say it. Jonathan Gannon has not done enough to be a head coach in this league. Jonathan just Gannon. Just has not. He has not. Hiring, hiring Jonathan Gannon over Raheem Morris, who a, a man... Ha, Mike is Tomlin, a head, was a head coach in this league. Mike Tomlin came out and said that Raheem Morris, for his money, is the most talented coach who does not have a head coaching position in the NFL? Mike Tomlin said that. One yep. of the most we can talk about how respected Mike Tomlin is, but if that recommendation isn't enough for you to go out and take away your division rivals defensive coordinator, right? Because let's and maybe a it's a Flores thing where Flores said he didn't want the job. Flores came out and said like I was offered Arizona, I didn't take it because I wanted this job instead because I thought Arizona. He the rumor is he didn't want Arizona at all. He. Kyler Murray was poison, wants a better opportunity down the road, felt like he'd get fired immediately with that job, and I understand that. And you know what? He probably would have because look at look at Arizona's history, quickly becoming one of the worst destination jobs in the NFL. But if he goes and builds this defense back to top 10, he's got to give him a look. Year. You have to right? give him a look. If, if, if they come back and the Vikings have a top 10 defense and their offense doesn't lose a step, and the Vikings are one of these teams that's 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 there down the stretch because if their defense is even average this year, they're playing in the NFC title game, right? With the offense that they had, right? If if he can even get it kind of to that level from the worst in the league, we're talking about Brian Flores as a head coach next year. And so, rightfully so. And rightfully right. so. So and 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 look, if we're not, if he does that and, and we're not talking about him as a head coach next year. Either he's turning roles down or we're having this conversation again on this podcast again next year. You might be right. Well, we hit on some serious stuff here tonight on Pod Puri. Yeah, we did. But it was good, though. From, I thought from, we had to get this out. We had to get this out. From presidents to politics and, and football. You and I, I feel like we occasionally have to, like, scratch this itch for you. Like, I feel like you have these opinions, but you keep them back because you don't want to come off as this partisan as this, you know, uber liberal, you know, whatever, socialist, whatever you, whatever you're called by people. But I feel like we got to have these convos sometimes on the pod. This is what pod Paris for. This is a chop session. We call you know, this I, a very robust edition of pod Paris. Well, and, and I'm, and I'm for it, right? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm here to talk about it whenever you want me to talk about it, but I try to, I try to keep it low key on, on the main pod. Yeah. Right? When we're not doing a pod Paris, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to get into it with, 
with Zach or with, you know, anyone else who listens to the show. It's not what I'm here to do. It's your show. I'm just here to, I'm here to do what you asked me to do, Tim. That's, that's my job. Well, I think the B enemy conversation is fair. I, I just, I do think it's a fair conversation. I don't know if it should be completely hijacked the way it is in the national media. Cause I think there's gotta be more nuance to it, but it's not, but, but it is fair. It's a fair conversation to have. And I think it's important that you have it. Yeah. I mean, I just think that's, that's the way I see it about it. Next pod Paris. Maybe we'll see where Derek Carr lands. We'll see if Rodgers comes out of his Ooh. cave. Uh, we're, we gotta, we're going to talk about – got to throw this at you too as well. So not only do you got to do famous Ryans, your top five Ryans, we got to get that list too. I also want you to think about this. Uh, let's tear out the league for our next podcast. Uh, this is an on-air production meeting, by the way. So here you go. You get to enjoy okay. the, we get to do. I want you to come up with – let's tear it starting at the bottom. Teams that need to blow it up. Teams that are a player away, teams that are ready to take the next step, and the top tier, the elites. Like, and that list could move because the teams that need to blow it up, they could be playoff teams last year. Like, yeah. you could argue the Vikings need to blow it up. Like, like you could make the argument. There's uh, an argument to be made there that they would probably be in line for a good blow up if that's what they wanted to do. Uh, so that conversation's out there. Uh, I also, I was going to have you do something else. What was I going to have you do? Damn it. Hate when this happens. We can talk I'll think about it. About it. I'm, we'll, take, we'll take it offline. We'll take it offline. We'll talk about it and we'll come together from there. Hey, I want to thank you for listening to the pod tonight. It is still snowing outside of Minneapolis. We went an hour and 20 tonight. We hope we gave you something to listen to. Uh, tonight, tomorrow, you can feel free to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, leave a comment, go to podbean.com if you want to listen to all. This is, by the way, episode 200 of the podcast. If you want to go back and listen to all 200 episodes of the podcast, podbean.com is where you need to go. Timpodcast.podbean.com. You can listen to all 200 of the Tim Anderson podcast. You can listen to all three seasons of NFL breakdowns from the pandemic season of 2020 to 2021 to last season. That's three straight years we've done it. Uh, You can listen to our draft coverage, uh, which we're going to do again this year for the, uh, what, the third or fourth consecutive year now it's going to be fantastic yeah wow yeah. it's going to be awesome yeah our fourth draft it's going to be great we want to make sure you go ahead and listen to all of that subscribe leave a comment like tell a friend all of that good stuff i would appreciate it if you did that so until next time for ryan this is tim saying keep your head up and uh, if you live in minnesota stay out of the snow uh and we'll see you next time